This podcast may not be suitable for young listeners. We discuss very emotional topics and at times use grown-up language. Each episode could contain content that may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to The Secret in My DNA. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Michelle Perret. The Secret in My DNA is a podcast where NPEs and MPEs can share their stories. NPE is an acronym for Not Parent Expected or Non-Paternal Event. MPE means Misattributed Parental Event. This means that we've discovered that at least one assumed parent is not our biological parent. In 2016, I found out I was an NPE after taking an ancestry DNA test, and suddenly life as I knew it was no longer the same. On this podcast, we share the experience of making our DNA discovery and what the journey has been like since. Most people cannot empathize or understand unless they've lived it. I find the podcast platform to be a wonderful way for us to come together as a supportive community in which we can heal from the trauma and take back our narrative by sharing our stories with the hope that this will help others to cope with their new life-altering truth. Welcome to episode 11, A Sounding Board. On today's episode, I have a very special guest, fellow NPE and host of the podcast, NPE Stories, Lily Wood. Lily, it's an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you, Michelle, for having me so much. I adore you. I adore your show. You've been on my podcast a couple of times, and I oh, I just appreciate it so much. And I have to mention the 100th episode because you were... That was a special episode. I normally just do stories, but for the 100th episode, I had you and Richard on a second time guests, the only time that's ever happened. And you were so wonderful. You shared um, some great, great information and your opinions and our opinions on paternity fraud. So if someone hasn't listened to that 100th episode yet with Michelle, um, the 100th episode on NPE stories, they should listen to it because it's, whew, that was a good one. That's I've gotten some of the best feedback ever from that one. So thank you for being on that. Oh, you're so welcome. It was a pleasure. I felt very safe being raw. It's hard to tell our stories and it can be really emotional and kind of almost like, you know, picking at the scab a little. But um, we tell our stories to not only strengthen ourselves, but to help other NPEs and people going through misattributed parentage um, know that they're not alone. And so I'm really so happy that you do this, and I've loved every one of your episodes. How about if we start this episode by telling the listeners a little about yourself and about your podcast? Yes, I am currently a stay-at-home mom of three children, well, four children. I have three biological, and I've been, to, I've been taking care of another one for a couple of months. I have been a stay-at-home mom for... Well, 12 and a half years now because I have a 12 and a half year old. Um, I live in Minneapolis. I've lived here my whole life and um, married to my wonderful husband, Graham, who actually wrote and made the music for my 
podcast, the intro and outro music for my podcast, NPE Stories. And I'd, I should, I always say my podcast. It's not my podcast. It is for NPEs. I am an organizer of sorts for stories for people to come on and share their story on the podcast. I allow anyone that contacts the show to share their story. I just make sure they are an NPE or an LDA, a late discovery adoptee, or a donor-conceived individual and didn't know about their true parentage growing up. And I don't need to know anything beyond that. I don't need to know any more of their story beyond that. Um, If they want to share, they can share. And I don't only take experts or authors or professional speakers. I take just the average Joe. Um, But I allow anyone that wants to share their experience to come on, wherever they are in their process, whether they've had some sort of a union with their family or whether they are in estrangement, come on and share what your experience has been like. I um, started NPE Stories maybe in July, I believe, of 2019, and I was still really raw myself and in a lot of pain, unable to sleep. I was just obsessed with all the NPE Facebook support groups And um, I wanted to be able to hear in audio format all the stories that were just making me feel better, making me nod along and feel like I understand what this person's going through and what they're feeling. Now, what um, made you take a DNA test? Was this something that you did just for fun or did you have suspicions? So I actually took two. Uh, My first one was a 23andMe and I took it for all of the health related markers that it provided. I am, Mm -hmm. I'm a health nut. I'm a biohacker. I'm always like, what can I get ahead of? What sort of preventative maintenance can I do in my life? Um, Do I have the Alzheimer's gene? Do I, what, like, what do I have? And um, it ended up not being that helpful. Like it tells you like if cilantro tastes like soap to you and that sort of thing. In my case, I mean, I know it's very helpful for some people. I, I wasn't that impressed with my 23andMe health match. Um, health markers that it gave me, but I was very surprised by the the composition, my ethnicity, because I was raised half French and half Norwegian, and one percent French was showing up, and and that's why I took my first DNA test was for the health markers, and then that led to so many questions. I called my sister. Oh, I don't see any French, or I. And she said, well, I took Ancestry. We took different companies. You should take mine. I'm like, no, you should take mine. We both had already spent $100. And um, it took like four months. But then I then I did eventually take the Ancestry test. And and that's I took that test because I wanted I wanted answers. I wanted to know what what is going on? Why am I not more French? And at that point, what were some of the things going through your mind to kind of explain away why it was only showing a very small percentage of French? Right. This is I'm I'm already thinking of my phone call with my sister um, that day. Um, her words were, "Well, I don't really trust this whole DNA stuff. I don't really know how 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 much." you know, there is into this. And this these companies, they might be scams. And maybe a technician got a hair in the test tube. You know, all the things that um, you start thinking of. And, and then I also thought, 
my dad was wrong. He thinks he's French heritage. He's confused. Uh, he must not fully understand where his father came from. He's not French Canadian. Uh, right. I started thinking, so, you know, not trusting the technology, which is ridiculous. It's, I mean, it's science, um, not, not trusting the companies. And, um, then also thinking my parents were mistaken with their genealogy as well, but I never, well, that's not true. I would say I would never considered that my dad wasn't my dad, but I did actually, my, my best friend has pointed out to me that I did actually make some jokes about it. Like, oh, I'm going to take this ancestry test. I'm waiting on my results. Who knows what I'm going to find out? So there must have been something in the back of my mind knowing this isn't right. Something's not right. Yeah. And growing up, had you ever had any suspicions that something wasn't right? No. I mean, I mean, looking back on it, you know, I, <laughs> my sister and I are very different coloring Everyone always says, oh, my God, you two are totally sisters. But we're, I, even though I'm younger than her, I'm, I'm bigger than her. She's small, dark, and petite. And I am, I'm not, like, huge, but compared to my sister, everyone always said, oh, you're, you can take her down. You're so much bigger than her. Uh, so I, I never considered my dad wasn't my dad because I have picked up his mannerisms, I use his sense of humor. I walk like him. I talk like him. I have some of his bad sarcastic habits and way of communicating. So I thought these were genetic, but they were actually, I found out they were learned. They were learned traits that I've picked up on just from being around him. Also, my mom must have had a type now that I think about it. Because um, the way my dad is built is actually very similar to once I found my, my birth father. They're built the same and they actually kind of look the same. She must have been attracted to that same sort of looking man back then um, because they, right, they have, I was like, oh, okay, they, they're similar. <laughs> this is kind of a strange thing to say, but short upper body and long legs. And then, like, that's me. <laughs> And that's both my birth certificate father and my biological father. They usually do have a type. It was the same with my mother yeah. as well. Yeah. It's it's amazing um, how many parallels there are with your story and mine. It kind of gives me chills. Um, I've felt the same way when I've heard you talk. I really, for real, when you've talked, I've been like, oh my God, is our mother the same person? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. you never know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Little NPE yeah, over exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> um, so at some point, you started to figure things out and what was really going on. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, looking at my ancestry results, I clicked on the, um, oh, what is it called? The DNA matches. And none of my dad's side was showing up. And my sister was only showing up as, I, I think, 1600 centimorgans. And I called her again, you know, the the time I got my second set of results. And she says, I'm so busy. But even she was confused. And I, and I had somebody matching almost as many centimorgans right below her. It turns out it was my half-brother. It is my half-brother. 
Um, so I had my sister and then my half brother right below, but of course it said close to first family. And I called my mom. I, I said, no, I texted her. I said, I, I need to come over. And she said, am I in trouble? I said, I just, I just need to figure something out here. And I was over there within half an hour, hour. And I didn't even wait on it. I just said, I, dad's not showing up in neither of our, any of his family members in my DNA matches. And Angela, my sister looks to only be like a half sibling, according to our centimorgans. And who are all these Conleys? Who's this Tim Conley, this William Conley, Dan Conley? Who are these Conleys? I've never heard of this last name in my life. Every single one of my cousins has this last name. She must have been freaking out right then. She was red-faced. She had tears in her eyes. She looked um, shocked. She looked ashamed. Uh, She looked terrified. And the look on her face, yeah, I'll never forget. My stepdad was in the room, too. And I just, from her response, the way she was just looking, I'm like, holy shit, what is going on right now? Um, yeah, I just, reliving that day is, sucks. So at that point, she's no longer with your birth certificate father. She is remarried. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they had such a terrible marriage. <laughs> yeah, I think she was actually in the divorce process before I was born. And I was always considered like a reconciliation baby. They tried to give it, you know, another six months or so, another year. But they... Yeah, they had a terrible marriage, which I don't, I understand her being with another man. I couldn't even imagine she married my father in the first place, honestly. Uh, He's a lifelong bachelor and probably always should be. But to lie about my parentage, that's another story completely. But no, they they are not together and she has been with my stepdad since I was four. And had she ever divulged to him, to your stepfather, that you had a different father? You know, she had. And they they tried to act like she didn't. But while I was in the kitchen that day, that terrible day, I heard my stepdad say kind of a off-the-cuff remark to her. He said, oh, Vicky, you never thought this would come back and bite you, did you? And I didn't process it at the time, but because I replayed that moment over and over again, I remembered it later. And he also followed me out to my car when I was so sad and disturbed. Of course, my mother wouldn't. There was, you know, no affection, no concern that her daughter's life was falling apart. Um, She was just only thinking of herself and even making some weird, very inappropriate jokes uh, about how she could have gotten more child support. But as I'm going out to the car, my stepdad did follow me, try to give me a hug. He's like, are you okay to drive? And then he said, Lily, if I had really known this, if I had truly, you know, I wouldn't have let your mother, if I, we, if we had had proof of this, I wouldn't have let your mother do this. And I was like, okay, okay, thank you. Okay, okay. Because I thought he was kind of comforting me. And then later either through a text or the phone call, he they said, well, yes, we did have a conversation when you were six or seven and thought maybe you were Bill Conley's child, but we thought, no, there's no way that could have happened. So they had had conversations about this. My mom had suspected it. She had told her husband. They probably had many conversations. They just never had proof. So he was part of her secret keeping as well. What were... um 
the emotions that you were going through in the subsequent weeks after that? Right. So the, you know, the first week or two, I was trying to remain calm. And, you know, as a good people pleasing daughter, I was trying to make excuses for my mother. And I was so upset with her, but I wouldn't show it. Right. I've been raised as the daughter of a, I don't know what sort of personality disorder she has, whether it's narcissism or borderline, but I was trying to almost protect her, even though I was hurting so much inside. So in the beginning, looking back on it, I was trying to be very empathetic to her. And strangely, a lot of people I told those first few days really wanted to protect my mother. I think it made them feel more comfortable. I think in their minds, they consider most mothers are saints. Most mothers are caring and nurturing and loving. And they certainly didn't know my mother. And so I was part of that as, you know, as a somewhat recovering codependent, I'm like, I need to listen to my mom. My mom has so much shame over this. I need to be there for my mom. When I was, the, when I was, I needed the support. My life was devastated. Uh, my mom at least had an inkling of it. She may never have gotten a DNA confirmation herself, but She's the one that had unprotected unprotected sex, had a child nine months later, and at least knew that this was a possibility. So in the beginning, I was still kind of protecting her and keeping things quiet. And then after a few days, after my mom treated me terribly and acted like the victim, I was just done. I was like, that's what I needed. Thank you for trying to act like the victim. And that's when I needed support. So I went on Facebook and I posted I just found out, um, I did a public post. I know a lot of people are against this, but I'm so glad I did. I let all of my inner circle know, my family and friends. And I got some amazing private messages from people and made actually friends with quite a few people that I had only been kind of acquaintances with and met up for coffee that said, I have had something similar. But yeah, it was it was a whirlwind as I'm sure you can remember. I can. I can. And, and I don't know if it was like this for you. I'm assuming it probably was because this is what it's like for many NPEs. I had a lot of family and friends drop off the face of the earth for me. Mm. Just um, did not like that I came out with my story that I was airing the family's dirty laundry or my mother's dirty yep. laundry, right? Yes. Um, and... All of a sudden, I learned who truly cared about me and who didn't. Exactly. Precisely. I I had a, a best girlfriend who her response was so odd and cold. I thought, how have I not seen her lack of empathy before? And we are, I'm still friendly to her. I still show her care and concern, but she's no longer part of my inner circle because she was unable to be there for me. And then I had, you know, none of my aunts have checked in with me in years. <laughs> my aunts I love so dearly, but they are, I don't know, I don't want to say they've taken sides, but they are my, my mother's women. They are her girls, her sisters, sister-in-laws. and They're, They are her enablers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's it. Yeah. That's what my aunts and uncles are for my mother. It's almost like it's for them. It's like, it's easier for them to avoid drama with her and avoid her wrath 
and stay on her good side than it is to support me mm-hmm. um, because they know what they would be dealing with with her. And so it's like, a, let's pretend everything's fine. Let's pretend none of this ever happened. Let's cut Michelle out because she's the, you know, the reason this is all happening now, which really is not the case. She was the reason. Um, but it was easier for them to, you know, keep their ties with her and sever their ties with me. Um, yeah. because they they could not deal with holding her accountable for her abuse, for her lies. Um and you know, it was just easier for them to pretend like nothing happened and you know. This is a very common thing in families. It's it's awful. It's it's so it's more common I think than not, honestly, especially in in situations like these with um, DNA discoveries and family secrets coming to light. And it almost worked on me because a few weeks after I found out, I got the text, we're having Easter Sunday. You can bring a side dish. We'll see you there. Come over. We'll have a craft. And I almost played into it because I've done it before with previous family drama where I I almost respond, they wanted me to sweep it under the rug and act like everything was fine. That would make them most comfortable. They're not going to address this. No sort of accountability. And it was up to me to stuff my feelings down, be okay with it and get over it. And this time I didn't. And I think it's because I'm a mother and I'm trying to raise my children in a healthy, somewhat healthy manner. Break those generational curses. Please. Please, I have to. I can't keep continuing this. And I I didn't. And that was when I was labeled problematic. I'm so sorry, Lily. Thank you. You did the right thing. You did the right thing for you. You did the right thing for your children. And you have every right to talk about your trauma and what you have been through. None of this was your fault. None of this. So have you met any of your biological or newfound biological family members? You know, I have tried. I really have. Um, no, I haven't. It's been two years and I just, I'm not, I'm not having any luck with it. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let it go. Are they aware of your existence? Yes, I contacted my biological father that first day via an email and um, also messaged both my half-brother and half-sister. I've never heard back from the half-brother or half-sister, but my, my, I did hear back from my biological father, um, some strange, confusing emails. The first one was somewhat promising. Uh, he's smart, I can tell, and uh, manipulative. <laughs> And as more emails went on, controlling. Um, And he wanted to make it very clear that he doesn't do this shock and awe. He doesn't do this this Jerry Springer stuff. He doesn't do family drama. Um, he, he, He was definitely trying to distance himself from me, even though, again, he was the one. He and my mom were the one that created me. Um image that I can tell is, is very important to him. He actually seems quite similar to my mother, just from the few interactions I've had. 
And I decided a couple weeks ago, I even mentioned it on my podcast, that after seeing some pictures of him, because every so month, few months or so, I go on Google and Facebook stock and just see what I can find. And I found pictures of him from this most recent holiday, and he looks like he's dying. He really does. And I thought, okay, if he doesn't want to meet me, I'm still, I'm still, he, he needs to look me in the face before he dies. And I said, even on my podcast a couple weeks ago, I'm going to do it. I'm going to drive down there. I can be down there in about 10 hours. He may not let me in, but maybe he'll answer the door. Who knows? And then I'll come back the next day. And my best friend, um, who's so dear, she's a social worker, therapist, and, and she um, knew I was going to do this. And last week she told me, Lily, don't hate me, but I did something. I wrote your birth father. And <laughs> I, I talked with him about what he's missing out on and how I wanted to meet him. And um, I haven't read it yet because she just told me it. Um, she's like, I know I overstepped bounds. I'm so sorry. And I don't feel she overstepped bounds because she's my only protector in life, you know. And she said he wrote me back. And Lily, he's a bad dude. He's a you can't. She And she started using all these, I don't even know her therapy words she used for the lingo he was using and the way he was deflecting and projecting. And she says, Lily, you can't go meet this guy. He's going to make you out to be crazy. He will pinpoint you as crazy. You cannot go there. And that's all I needed to hear. I was like, okay. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> this just happened like a week ago. Before that, there hadn't been any contact in a year or 18 months anyway, so he's not interested. And I, he's made it very clear that the rest of his family will follow his lead. And, and what, was his, what was the situation with him when he hooked up with your mom? Was he single or was he married yeah. and already had children? He was divorced and he had maybe a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. So he wasn't cheating. He wasn't, you know, he was, he was free to, so he didn't have like a wife he was cheating on. He wasn't having an affair. So there's really no real reason for him to be ashamed. No, uh, -uh. he has remarried. He's a, you know, very, um, high up, uh, former president of FedEx, um, lived many years overseas. He's, I check out his LinkedIn profile every few months it's very important for, he's a philanthropist. It's very important he be considered as such. And this would absolutely go against every, all of his values he, he so believes. And he even just posted a couple months ago about happy national daughter's day and just all this bullshit. I'm like, are you serious? You don't even acknowledge one of your daughters and you're posting about <laughs> how beautiful your, your daughter is and how important it is. It's, it's unbelievable. He's a, He's a piece of work. I try to make it clear to him that, like, I'm good. Like, my, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm good. I tried to let him know I sold my small business seven years ago. Um, my husband is, you know, I try to let him know I'm, I'm comfortable. I don't want anything from him. But, yeah, maybe he was fearful of his two children that he considers his children and how that would affect that. And, yeah, maybe. And they may be concerned about that too. They may be saying to him, hey, look, we, we don't want to bring another sibling into this. You know, yeah. they, they may be concerned about their inheritance, which is so silly. It's just so, 
there's so much more to this, you know, and most of us that are finding this out are finding this out pretty late in life in our adult lives. And by that point, we're independent and we've taken care of ourselves. And most of us are married and parents. And, you know, so what we need more than anything is that connection and in knowing where we come from, why we look the way we do, why we have the hair color we have, the eye color we have, um, you know, some of the talents that we have or the mannerisms, it's very important for us to know where we come from. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're looking for. We're looking for that connection. Where do I come exactly. from? Where do I belong? There was a point when I really, really wanted to see him talk in person. I wanted to see his mannerisms, his face, his eyes, everything you just mentioned. And um, there was a part of me maybe a year or so ago that wanted to be adored and loved. And um, more than just I wanted to meet him, at one point I had a fantasy of like, I will be accepted and I will be your daughter. And then that just died and slowly it got to the point where well I'd just like to see some pictures of you <laughs> other than the two I'm finding as your LinkedIn headshots on Google I, and now I'm just meh I'm I'm done you're an asshole he's truly losing out it really is his loss he's losing out on not only an amazing daughter but grandkids you know yes thank you Thank you. That kills me. I can't imagine not wanting to know my grandkids, let alone not wanting to know my daughter. And that's where the mama bear comes out, right? You don't want to meet your grandkids, my adorable children? All right. Well, now I'm going to have to protect myself. I'm going to have to protect my family. And yeah, I mean, I think my middle son, you know, I don't have a lot of pictures to go off of, but I think my middle son looks like him. Uh, of course my middle son is only, you know, nine. So it's hard to compare a 70 some year old man to a nine year old. But I, I feel like that, oh, that same eye color, the coloring, the jawline, the forehead. And I don't know, I sent him one picture of me with my kids two years ago and he hearted it. And that was about it. I'm like, didn't he like, did he look at it? Did he see any resemblance? Did he care? He never asked for any more. I've heard people say, oh, I made a book and I sent it to my family members of me, pictures as a kid and things I've done. And I thought about that a couple of times thinking, oh, that's a good idea. But I don't even think he'd care. I don't even think he'd look at it. And now I don't even want to give him the honor of looking at pictures of me and my children. Not anymore. It's, you know, progressed to the point where I'm like, why? What am I trying to meet this man for? Well, it's very, very normal to want right. to meet him. Yeah. But you've obviously gotten bad vibes. Your best friend has gotten bad vibes. Yep. yep. And with everything that you've been through, it's also very natural to want to protect your mental health mm-hmm. and your family. Mm-hmm. Oh, completely. And You're, I need to. It's a hard spot to be in. We have a very natural curiosity about those things. We want to know those things, right? It's it's such a hard spot to be in. So where are you at um, with your relationship now with your mom, your stepdad, 
um, other members of your family? Well, the the safest, healthiest option has actually turned out to be no contact and estrangement. I tried low contact um, for a couple of weeks, and um, the the narrative was not. It was you know my mother was the victim and my stepdad was the enabler, and that just wasn't working for me with the pain I was in. So I went no contact um, for a while. They 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 labeled me the angry woman, which. They, I've my whole life. I've heard them label other women in their life. Oh, she's angry. That's a put down for them. And you know, I I should own it, but um, that makes them feel superior in a way because I'm I'm the one that has the problem. And then over time, you know, we went through grief. My children were very sad. It was very painful the first month or two, and I was honest, but in an age appropriate way with them. And as time went on, I got peace with Thanksgivings where I don't leave feeling like I've done something wrong and Christmases where I'm not accused of things. And as time went on, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can kind of be myself. I don't have to seek my mother's approval and be constantly feeling like I'm doing, again, I'll just say it again, something wrong. Right. The NPE, the my mom hiding my parentage, hiding my dad, was not the only thing she's ever done. This was one of many, many behaviors she has shown in my, you know, 30 some years being her daughter. So this was just kind of that final reason, like, thank you. I am not a bad person for releasing my relationship with her. I wish her well. I wish her health, happiness, prosperity, but I don't have to continuously interact with her and feel terrible. And I, the last two, so I'm, I'm still estranged from her. And so many people feel, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you need to fix that. And I'm like, it has been some of the best two years. (laughs) I feel it's so great. Like our Christmases are so wonderful and um, I don't have to see the weird family dynamics and the enabling and the, it's, uh, I know a lot of people won't understand that, but I think NPEs might. Some of them might anyway. I think the majority probably would. Yeah. Something that I always um, remind myself um, is that not everyone deserves a seat at the table of your life. And that includes family. So true. Throughout your journey... What has helped you to cope um, and to be able to keep moving forward despite the roller coaster of emotions that we go through when we make a discovery like this? Oh, yeah. The things that have helped me cope is finding community, service work. I would like to say self-care, but I'm not great at that. But finding community in the Facebook forums was very, very helpful until it wasn't. (laughs) It was very, very helpful. Reading other people's stories, nodding along, being able to glance at them throughout the day, liking them, loving them, occasionally leaving feedback like, oh my God, me too. And um, some of those Facebook groups have been just joy. 
Um, there's been a couple larger ones that have not, that have been confusing and controlling and strange. And have I've even gotten like kicked out of and scolded. It's very strange, but, um, you know, that is, that is humans for you. Mm-hmm. Finding community through the webinars, um, right to know puts on webinars and I started to see the people I was interacting with, the other NPs and donor-conceived people and late discovery adoptees I was interacting with on Facebook and Instagram, I would be able to see them in these one-hour webinars. I could listen to them talk. And listening to podcasts and um, service work, spending hours every week working on my podcast, emailing, reading these emails, recording, editing. It's just a labor of love, as you know. Um, you know, there's no money. I mean, it's a loss of a couple hundred dollars every month and I'll gladly do it for my mental health. And way more, that's just a couple hundred dollars in servicing fees and editing. That's not labor. No way. That is many hours of unpaid. But again, it's service work and it it gives me purpose, gives me... it. Makes we I feel like we kind of have to be pioneers in this field. It's not like they've been studying this for a hundred years. I mean, gosh, how long has DNA testing been out? And certainly, how long has at home direct to consumer DNA testing, where people are finding this out and having their worlds rocked? So yeah, it's service work, community. I call it my community of nodding heads because I sit there and I just nod along. Look at you, you sweetheart. You're nodding along with me. You know it. We are a community of nodding heads, aren't we? We are. I think I've been nodding my head for like 10 minutes straight yes. right now. <laughs> because we get it. We get the listening to someone is so healing. It, it it really is. And I should say self-care, but I'm I'm not great about the self-care, but I know it's important. Oh, and therapy. I certainly don't make any recommendations for it to each their own. I have done therapy. Um, I, I don't use one of the MPE certified ones, which I, I would like to, because there's some great ones that have been on my show. Um, but I do EMDR therapy. I do individual and family therapy. I do marriage therapy. I do all of it right now. I've got like four hours a week. <laughs> I may hit you up for some names because I am looking for a new therapist myself. <laughs> all right. I prefer someone who has experience with NPEs or yep. could also be an NPE themselves. I just yep. feel like they would understand a lot more. And I also need to try some of these um, webinars. I need to do more of yes. those. Oh, yes. We've got, I was just on one Sunday. There's another one. John Moyer's coming up in a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll, I'll send you, yeah, get on the right to know. Oh, they're really good. They're really good. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to do that. So throughout this, um, did you experience at all, and I, I try to ask this of all of my NPEs that, that come on the podcast, because um, their answers are always really interesting to me. Did you experience an identity crisis? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I was just talking about this with someone today. Yes. I mean, first of all, just the the blatant, I was raised with a French name, speaking French. I mean, I mean, I learned French in school. I'm not fluent in it. And uh, traveling to France, having French pride with this French genealogy I've been following. And of course, I had my half Norwegian too. But for some reason, I just, we just didn't, it was more the French that was really pushed. I'm named after my French grandmother. 
Lili Gimo. And that was just the blatant part of the identity crisis, right? I mean, just, um, wait, what? Barely 1%? How, how do I re-identify my, like, what? That was the, the blatant part. And then the other, yeah, I mean, this, then I also kind of wondered, um, do I have any joy in my life? I went through a depression and feeling unloved by parents, certain friends I lost. Um, I thought, what am I, what's, what am I doing here? Obviously I have my children, right? Children are joy. Children are love. I have them. They are everything. But do at this point, what, will bring me joy. I feel so, um, I'm going to go back to the word unloved. My mom wasn't concerned about me. My dad didn't want to meet me. It was my stepdad who was person that had shown me love in my life was not going to talk to me and going to stick by his wife's side, my mother's side. Um, and then the, the the woman I had been, my grandmother, who had passed and I'd always thought was my grandmother, and I'd always thought I had her sweet, angelic genes, I realized wasn't my grandmother, you know, and she loved me. She showed me love when I was a kid. So I, I really, my identity was really like, what am I doing in life right now? It was, it was a tough time. Um. I mean, thank God I did have my children because <laughs> I was just able to be like, how can I change this around and let them and show them they are loved? How can I make sure they never feel this way that I'm feeling right now? I think besides all of the obvious emotions that we go through, like the anger, the sadness, the the shock, I think for me, I, the biggest one was I felt so insignificant. And I think that was the hardest thing for me. I never felt truly loved or appreciated ever by my mother or by my family. And that was always a source of sadness for me. Um, but when this happened, it's like I it's like I finally got hit by the train of insignificance. <laughs> like, you don't matter, Michelle. Nobody cares how you're feeling about this. And the people who do care, they can't understand it. They want to, but they just can't. Completely. And I think so many NPEs feel that way. And that, that's why this is such a hard, hard journey for us. Such a hard... It's like there's... Did you feel like there was a... So you made your discovery in 2019, right? Yeah. Did you feel like there is a pre-2019 Lily and an after-2019 mm, Lily? Completely. Oh, absolutely. It's like you never can go back to that person. Nope. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think I want to. Although it was painful, I'm, I'm so glad I know. And I'm, and honestly, this was just... This is kind of what I needed to break some of the unhealthy family dynamics I that were still existing in my life. And, and you know, I'm sorry for myself and my children. It was so traumatic 
that grieving period, and then they're still grieving. But it's, I just, I couldn't go back to that old, fake, inauthentic life I was living. If your mother was listening to this right now, what would you want to say to her? Mm. Don't you want to try harder? Don't you want, don't you want your daughter to be happy? Don't you want your daughter in your life? Don't you want to make this right? Can you find it in you to work on yourself and to get just as much therapy as I'm getting to want to be in your grandkids' life and your daughter's life? Are you so full of pride and and so much the victim that you are unable unable to 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 be there for another human being to be there for your baby daughter your girly girl your baby daughter i i can't imagine doing this to my own daughter oh i feel ashamed saying all that out loud um but that is that is what popped into my head then there's no shame in that mm-hmm. that those are your true feelings how do you wish your mom would have handled the situation when you came to her about this and made this discovery? Yeah. What do you wish yeah. she would have done differently? Yes, what she could have done instead of acting red-faced, ashamed, and defensive, she could have shown remorse. She could have given me a hug. She didn't even have to have all the great words. She could have just shown with her body and her heart care and concern. Are you okay? This must be shocking for you. Come here. Let me hold you. Maybe even an I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Any of those things would have worked. And and like, I let people treat me like garbage. She would have gotten away with a shitty apology and I probably still would have <laughs> let her let her back in. Yeah, I'm there's so many things she could have done or still could do to this day. I mean, she even contacted me on my 40th birthday in October. It is now, what, January. On my 40th birthday, I did have to block her after this. Hadn't heard from her in a year. I don't even want to pull up the text anymore. I reread it a couple times. On my 40th birthday, barely a happy birthday. It was more like we haven't spoken in, you know, over a year. Um, And I am so sad about this. And I'm so hurt by your actions. And your sister is in so much pain and your sister is having so much trouble and needs help. And -and so-and-so is hospitalized and you need to help. And it was just so much about her pain and this other family member's pain and this family crisis. And she would always use a funeral or a hospital stay to try to kind of trauma bond with me and to not actually say sorry and to not actually take accountability. And it used to work on me when I was younger. It totally used to work. Um, That was it, though. That was it. When she wrote me on my 40th and my kids had planned this adorable little birthday party for me and my husband had taken work off early and that text came through and I was just filled with rage. And I'm like, how dare she? She can't even have me be happy with my family today. She has to make this about her um, and how sad she is. How about just happy birthday? I love you. I miss you. I hope you have a great day or or silence. Versus telling me how hard you're having it today. Um, yeah, I don't really know where I, where that came from, but that just popped into my head. A little memory. Or just a simple, I love you. I love you. 
that would have been nice to have heard a lot more growing up. Yeah. If there are other parents out there, especially moms who have not been truthful yet with their children about their true parentage, Hmm. what would you like to say to them? What would you like to encourage them to do? Get some form of therapy in proper communication um, and be prepared to start telling the truth. But don't necessarily just come at somebody with the truth with an I'm an I'm the victim here attitude. It has to be, um, I'm so sorry I did this to you. If, they, if they're the parent of, you know, misattributed parentage experience, they have to come at it with remorse. They have to come at it with commitment come at it with the care and concern for the child, the adult child, and um, get some help, whatever sort of, so many people I meet, including myself, have narcissistic tendencies, have these, have a lot of character defects and character traits, and to come at somebody who's had a traumatic news, devastating news, finding out their, one or both of their parents are not their parents, and to come at them and then act like you are to not take accountability is just the worst thing you could do. Validation is huge and Mm -hmm. and so, so needed in these situations. That validation is so, so important. And all too often, it's something that NPEs do not get from their parent. Yeah. And again, the parent chooses to play the victim. They are the victim, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of validating, validating what their child is going through. Mm Mm-hmm. It's turned around on, you know, how could you put me through this? I wonder if we did some data collection on parents that, um, you know, it's it's usually mothers, but not always. It's Sometimes it's adoptee parents and donor-conceived parents. But I wonder, with parents that do keep parentage a secret, I wonder how many of them lack empathy just in general, just something that that's something that they struggle with. I mean, I've definitely heard stories where people are like, my mom felt so bad. My parents were so remorseful. So I know it exists. I'm not saying that across the board. But, I, you know, there are a lot of humans that lack empathy. And how many of them in the NPE world, the parents in the NPE world, also lack empathy? To even carry on a secret that long just shows you that's how self-centered that person is. Me, me, me. That's me and my consequences I don't want to have to deal with. Not right. what is the best for my child? What is the best for them in their life? It's it's all about covering up their choices and not wanting to be shamed for their choices and not thinking about how it's truly going to affect their child down the road. What advice or guidance would you give other NPEs to help them cope and heal and help them to accept their new truth? Mm. I really am cautious with advice because I can really only share my experience. And um, some people have kind of guidelines and steps that they take, and you should do this first, and you should properly write this out before you contact this person. And I didn't follow any of that, but I don't regret the way I handled things. Um, I try not to give too much advice, but I can share my experience And um, what has worked for me, um, finding 
people that do support me in the in that beginning times. And that was um, quite a few NPEs that are doing exactly what you've done this whole time. Not along, understand, empathize. And there were a few non-NPEs, like my social worker best friend across the street, that I could keep in that inner circle as well. I To make myself feel like I wasn't going crazy, I had to make my inner circle very small. I had to just take care of myself, and I had to remove remove the haters. I had to remove those people, um, one, that were causing me harm, but two, not even the, the harmful people, but the people that just, they, they didn't get it. And that's okay. They don't get it. I don't need to sit them down and explain everything and get them to see my side. But I, I do need a little distance from that right now. Um, at the time I did. So I kept my inner circle supportive and loving because that's what I needed. So that's really my experience with that. And as for, oh, how to reach out to this person or that person or this family member, I have I have nothing to say because I've heard so many different variations and I've I've, I'm kind of an off the cuff, haven't put too much thought into my emails and phone calls versus my husband who wrote an email to my birth father and kept it in his drafts for a year and rewarded it and rewarded it before he sent it. So you get all sorts of different ways of talking to people. And I don't know what's right. I don't know what's right for people. I really don't. But that, that did help me was keeping a supportive, loving inner circle through all of this. I love that. I love that advice. I'm sure that um, many of the listeners today have already been tuning in to your podcast, but just in case there are listeners who haven't yet, please, please add it to your list of must listens. It's called NPE Stories. Go give it a follow and subscribe and also consider telling your NPE story to Lily on her podcast. She truly provides a warm, safe space for sharing and healing. And Lily, again, I want to thank you so much for joining me and for your courage and for your transparency and most of all, for your friendship and support. Thank you so much, Michelle. You've just become a friend to me, a close friend. And Not only thank you for your podcast and everything that you're doing and the time you're putting into this, but you are just the most loving, supportive woman, mother, NPE. Um, You're the right person for this job. Let's just say that. So, So thank you for all the service work that you are doing and for being there for me through many emails and phone calls and podcasts over this last year or so. I'm so grateful to have made such an amazing friend during this difficult journey. Same. And now to my listeners, thank you for tuning in to this episode today. As always, I leave you with an important message. If you are a parent who has not been forthcoming with your child about their true parentage, I urge you to share the truth with them. Withholding this information for any reason will negatively affect your relationship and your child's mental health down the road. If you're not sure the best way to reveal the truth, there are qualified therapists that can help you communicate with your child in a healthy way. Our lives are enriched by having parents who are honest with us. Honesty saves a great deal of pain in the future 
and it fosters an environment of trust and genuine intimacy between parents and children. Discovering a non-paternal event later in life is very traumatic. We have a right to know where we come from and to know our true ancestry and our mental and physical health history. And while sometimes it's said that the truth can be a double-edged sword, it's far more harmful and damaging to withhold it from the people we love. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, please email thesecretinmydna at gmail.com. Your story could end up being a survival guide for another NPE who may be struggling or feel alone in their discovery. You do not have to give identifying information, and if you prefer to share your story anonymously, names can be changed or abbreviated for privacy purposes. To hear more amazing DNA discovery stories, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at anchor.fm slash the secret in my DNA. The Secret in My DNA also has a Facebook page where our NPEs can share photos and updates of their journey, so please go give it a like and a follow. I'm your host, Michelle Perret, signing off till next time.